Hey, um, good to see everybody, and um, congratulations, families. Um, I, too, just want to say, if you're a guest here with us today, um, welcome. My name is Jeff, one of the pastors here, and we're just really um, privileged to have everybody here this morning to be able to worship together. And, you know, it's pretty neat. This morning we got to um, really dedicate and really uh, commit to the Lord 21 families and 25 kids. And so what a privilege, you know, just to see and, and what, a, what a blast it is for us to be able to be a church that we are very intentionally trying to pass the faith of this generation on to the next generation. And so I just want to say to all of you, thank you. Thank you for the way that you invest in this church because what you're doing as you help us create compelling environments and cultivate good relationships, and then as you help us give families the tools that they need to help their families thrive spiritually, um, you're a big part of that. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for being that kind of a church. I can't think of a, a more noble calling that God could give to us than to be a church that says, you know what, God, you've entrusted us with something so great, we want to pass that diligently on to the next generation. So, so uh, again, just thank you for being that kind of church. Well, this morning we are going to be continuing on in our series that's really taking us through the, the Bible this year. Um, it's been a fun journey, and I want to encourage you, um, particularly if you're newer to Brookside, you can go to our website, and if you click on the 365 button, you can find a reading plan that the church is doing together. And what we're doing is as we read through the Bible, then on Sunday mornings we're teaching either the content that we read that week or that we're going to read in the coming week. And so it's been a fun journey, but you can go online, you can find out what we're reading, where we at, where we're at, you can get reminders through Twitter and Audible and all sorts of things um, just to really help you through that and really help us be a church uh, that's in God's Word. So it's been a fun journey. This morning, um, we are going to be, as Tim said, in the book of Jeremiah. And the text that we're going to be looking at this morning is a fun one. And I got to tell you, it's a really, really important one. What is really exciting for me about this text is it is one that is all about what it means to live for the city. And so as we looked at this uh, text and as Steve kind of laid out the framework of what we'd be teaching and when, this was such a great weekend for us to be able just to hit the pause button and say, as we're in Jeremiah chapter 29 this morning, we really want to hit the pause button and also say we want to do kind of a refresher of the vision that we have that we laid out of this three-year initiative uh, called For the City. You might remember in November we laid that out um, before our church and we'll be talking more about that this morning. But this passage that we're going to be looking at this morning, it is incredible and it really, I believe that you're going to be able to walk away and through scripture and through God's word really speaking to you, you're going to be encouraged as we think about and as we ask God, how do we live for the city? What does it mean for us to be a people in the place that God has put us and to be people of influence? And so um, as we dive in this morning, would you pray with me and let's just ask God to, to lead our time this morning. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, we are grateful to be here. Father, thank you that you are um, continually allowing us to be a next generation church, Lord. A church that takes very seriously the, the students that you've entrusted to us, the kids, the grandchildren that you've entrusted to us. And Lord, we just want to say we want to see our, our faith passed on to the next generation. Lord, this morning as we open up your word in Jeremiah 29, Lord, we just invite you to speak to us. We pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord, will be in this place and that you would do a significant work, Lord. We want to be a church and the kind of church that's not just all about building a great church, but we truly want to be a part of building a great city, a city that honors you. And so, God, would you speak to us this morning? Um, would you even take just a moment right now on your own and would you just say, Lord, I, I pray that you would speak to me this morning and then even pray for the people around you this morning. So go ahead and just do that right now on your own.
Father, I thank you that you meet us in this place. Lord, you know us by name. Father, you created us. You have us here for a reason. And Father, we're so grateful for that. And so, God, we pray now that you would lead us this morning. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you remember, um, clear back to November, we launched into this three-year initiative called For the City. And when we launched into it, we were praying that God would allow something greater to happen than us just raising the funds to be able to accomplish the things that we believe God has next for Brookside. When we went into this, we said, God, would you do something so significant in our midst that we would look back over this three-year period of time and we would be so excited and so in awe at the work that you have done in us. We prayed, God, would you fan the flame in us of us having a heart for the city? Would you allow us to be a people that our mission of helping people find and follow Jesus Christ, Lord, would you allow that mission to take deep root in the hearts and in the lives of many people in our city? And so we've been dreaming in the day and we've been taking the right steps forward to be able to be a church that we're able to launch into a second campus. And so we've been praying about that and really taking the next steps with that. Um, we want to be a church where the gospel gets strategically spoken to people and we want to do that in strategic ways. And so that's really where we, we thought, wow, God, would you lead us to be a church where in time we would have multiple campuses strategically placed all over the city. Reaching people for Christ. People hearing about how they can know the God that loves them. We also said that in addition to being a church that's proclaiming the gospel, right wed with that and really as an overflow of the gospel in us, we want to be a church that's meeting the, the physical needs of people. And so we said, wow, God, you've opened up a lot of doors um, in this church with kids in the foster care system. And so we talked to the church and we said, hey, we're going to open this care center, a clothing care center for kids. It's going to be a place where kids can come and get treated with dignity and where they can get clothing that they need. And as you know, we've been doing a lot with kids in the foster care system. We've had a fun relationship with Project Harmony just up the street. Um, we've been able to put on camps for kids. Uh, even just later today, as Rob mentioned, there'll be 60 Brooksiders going out and putting on a week-long camp, giving up a week of their vacation to go out and put on this camp so that these foster kids can have the week of their lives. And so in November, um, we wanted to raise the funds for the, the care center and we wanted to raise the, the, the funds to launch into this multi-site and we're so excited about what God has done through those efforts and we're asking God, Lord, would you do as we seek those projects out, though, Lord, would you do something inside of us? Or would you help us to continue to be a church that we truly live for the city? And so we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the details of the care center later in this message. But it's exciting to think about just the steps that we've been able to take forward uh, with the design and really the preparations for construction of our care center in not too many months, which is, which is really cool. Well, as this morning, as we think about, though, launching of a second campus, as we think about building this care center for these kids that have uh, apparent needs, um, the passage that we're going to look at this morning is one that is really going to shed a lot of light on how you and I truly become the kind of people that we really live for the city. It is so applicable that our text for this morning. I think it's going to be so encouraging to you as we read through it. So what I want to do is this. If you have a Bible, you can turn to the book of Jeremiah. And uh, if you really just define the book of Jeremiah, or maybe using an app, you can flip in your Bible about halfway and then just flip to the right a little bit and you'll get to Jeremiah. We're going to be in chapter 29 this morning. And we're going to be looking at the first 14 verses. Let me tell you a few things about this text though. Jeremiah, through God speaking to him, is writing a letter 
to the nation of Israel, to the people of Israel, to God's people. But this isn't just any letter. This isn't like a, a junk mail email that you would get. This is a letter that is so significant, they would have clung to the words of this letter. We're going to see three things. We're going to see God is going to give them a challenge. We're going to see God is going to give them instruction. God's going to say, hey, here's a game plan. This is how you live for the city to which I have called you to. And then thirdly, we're going to see how God, in the midst of a very hard and critical time for them, God gives them a future perspective. God gives them a future hope of what life can be and what life will be like for them. Now, historically, we know this. By this time, by the time we get to the book of Jeremiah, God has raised, as we've seen, as we've trekked through the Old Testament, God has raised up the nation of Israel. And so they're, they're a significant nation. But when we get to Jeremiah chapter 29, they're going through a 70-year period of time where they're being exiled by the Babylonians. They are the world power at that time. And as we'll see, they are a brutal people. And so we're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 29. So I'm going to read the entire portion that we're going to look at this morning. I'm going to read it through in its entirety, and then we'll go back and we'll work through it verse by verse. So let me start in uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 1. It says, this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent to Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Uh, this was after King Jehoiakim and the queen mother, the court officials, and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers and the artisans, had gone into exile from Jerusalem. They entrusted the, the letter to Elisa, son of uh, Shaphanan, and Gemariah, son of Hilkiah, when Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. It said, so here it is, here's the letter. They would have been bated breath. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all of those that I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Here's what you should do. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat, their, and eat the, uh, what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters and find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number. Do not increase or do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets or the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have, uh, I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When the 70 years are completed for Babylon, he's talking about their future hope. I will come to you and I will fulfill my good promise to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your hearts. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I'll bring you back from your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and the places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place I carried you into exile. Now, one of the things that we notice right away, and it's just important to know this, that when Jeremiah the prophet, when he's writing this letter, and again, this would not have been junk mail to them. This would have been such an important letter to them. And when Jeremiah is writing the Babylonian Empire, it is the world power. And what we know about the Babylonians is this. When they went to conquer a group of people, it was brutal. They were known, they were famously cruel, you could say. We know that it wasn't pretty at all. 
This whole period of exile, it would not have been a time that you or I would have wanted to go, have gone through. It says this in verse 1. I just want to highlight a couple of these words for you. It says this, to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile. Meaning this, not everyone survived the exile. When the, when the Babylonians came and they took this peep group of people out of Jerusalem, it was so brutal, they were so forceful that not everyone survived. And also what we know about them, they, their goal wasn't simply just to conquer this group of people. Their goal was to convert this group of people. They didn't want to just destroy a people. They wanted to destroy their culture. They wanted this group of people that they would pull out of Jerusalem to end up embodying the very principles and the godless things and the pagan worship of the Babylonians so that they could further the agenda of the Babylonians. It was brutal. We see this in verse 2. This is who they went after when they, when they took them into exile. Verse 2. It says that the court officials and the leaders of, Jerusalem, or of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers, the artisans, they are the ones that had gone into exile. Meaning this, the Babylonians were not fools. The Babylonians showed up in Jerusalem and they said, hey, we're going to take the best of the best. We're going to exile you. We're going to take you into our land and we're going to indoctrinate you. In Daniel chapter 1, we see that they, it is written in this, right in the same block of time. And we see that they went after the brightest and the best, the most skilled. It says in the scriptures that they went after those who showed great aptitude, those who showed great promise. Those were the ones that were taken into exile. So imagine this. You've got this group of people and they are hating the fact that they have been pulled out of their homeland. But when we get to verse 5, God says something very important to them. Imagine this. Imagine you're taken out. In a sense, you are truly a refugee. You've been taken out. But imagine this. You don't want to be there. And then God says this, verse 4. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those, very important, I carried into exile. Now, if they would have been hearing that, that would have been like a kind of a head scratcher. They would have been like, you carried into exile. Verse 1 says that it was King Nebuchadnezzar that carried them into exile, which would have made sense. What God is saying here is this. Yes, there were political forces. Yes, it's true. King Nebuchadnezzar and the forces of the Babylonians took you, you select few, you're not select few, this whole group into exile. But what God is saying right here, and he repeats it several times in this letter, just in case it's missed, because he wants to make the point very clear. I carried you into exile. Yes, there were things going on in your midst that allowed you to be carried into exile. But as the sovereign God, I carried you and I allowed this to happen. I'm behind it. I have not left you. Babylonians, I have not been defeated. Nation of Israel, you might feel like you've been pulled out and you're in a horrible place. But what he's saying to them is, I carried you into exile. I've got a reason why you've been exiled. Now, not everyone in obviously would have thought, wow, that's great news. God, you carried us into exile. They would have, you know, that would have been comforting in one sense, but in the other sense it would have been like, well, why? But let me ask you this. Have you ever, have you ever noticed this? Isn't this true? That when you're going through a hard, times, a hard time, sometimes in the midst of a trial, sometimes it's not so important to you to get the answer to the question of why am I going through this trial? Isn't it true that sometimes it's more important for you to get in that midst, in the midst of that trial, just the reminder that God, you are with me. 
God, you are right by my side through this. And so what I love about verse 4 is this. It's not bad news for them. It's God saying, I'm not absent from you. I carried you into exile. I'm right here with you. I heard this statement this week. I thought this is helpful. It says, if you are a Christian, you never just happen to be somewhere. You are sent. Even if there is a hardship, you are carried there for some redemptive purpose. Now, verse 5, when we get to verse 5, the redemptive purpose that God has these people in Babylon, it becomes very clear. In verse 5, we begin to get this game plan for you and I of what does it mean to live for the city? What does it mean for us to be that kind of church? And so he writes to these people that have been pulled away from their homeland. Undoubtedly, they're longing to return to Jerusalem. But what is God saying to them? He's saying the opposite of that. He's saying, this is what you should do. And so we read this in verse 5. It says this. It says, build houses and settle down. Key words there. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. He's saying, hey, I want you, I mean, think about it. When you build a house, you're saying, well, I'm, I'm putting my roots in the ground here a little bit. He's saying, even though you might feel like a refugee, you might feel like, wow, you've been pulled out from your homeland. He's saying, what I want you to do is I want you to think differently. Now, if you're a refugee, the thing that's going through your mind more than anything is this. You are waiting for the day when you get the ticket, the okay, to go back home. You're waiting for that. You're not thinking about building a home when you think of a structure to live in, you're thinking about a tent because a tent is quick. You can put it up and you can tear it down in an hour. I mean, it's not a big deal. You can come and go quickly. Instead of building a garden and waiting for the food to grow or planting crops, you would forage. You would hunt. You would gather that way so that your food was quick because you wouldn't want to have the mindset, we're going to be here a while. You wouldn't want to have that mindset at all. But instead, God is saying, I want you to build homes. I want you to plant a garden. I want you to think longer term. If you have a garden, you know that they don't produce food very quickly, do they? We uh, planted a, a garden this year, one of those raised bed gardens. We tackled that project a few weeks ago. And, and so we went to the you know, Home Depot and got the, all the wood and, and um, all the, the, this three-part mixture and all the seed, everything that would go into this. And we got home and and we prepared the ground, you know, and, and then we built the frame, and, and, um, and that took quite a while, and we got to the end of it, and our youngest said to us, this is before any of the, like, soil is in the box, right? It's just a wood frame. Our youngest said to me in that moment, I think he was a little tired from the project, he said, hey, where's all the food this thing was supposed to produce? <laughs> you know? Like, sorry, buddy, it's going to be a while. You ain't got any seeds in the ground yet. <clears throat> what God was saying was this. He's saying invest. God was saying that I want you to be the kind of people, Israel, that you don't think, hey, we're here and we're gone. He's saying I want you to invest. I want your roots to grow deep. I want you to be the kind of people that you think more long term. I want you to be the kind of people that you're thinking not just of yourselves but of your neighbors. Now in their culture, if you were planting crops, you were praying for rain. You're saying, God, would you please allow these crops to grow? But if you're praying for rain for your crops or your garden, that means you're praying for the same thing for your neighbor. That's what God wanted for them. God wanted their roots to grow deep. God wanted them to live right where they were. God was saying, invest here. Build homes. Israel, you're not going anywhere soon. I want you to think about this place not just as, hey, what can I get from this place in this short 
period of time. I hate the fact that we're living in this pluralistic society. But rather think of it as, God, you've put me here. So what does it mean for me to love these people around me? Verse 6, it goes on. It says this. There it is. Marry and have sons and daughters and find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Now, if you're a refugee, the last thing that you're thinking is, hey, this would be a great time to have a few babies. You wouldn't be thinking that. You do not want to get caught pushing a stroller on the day you get the ticket home. You want to travel light. And the very last thing that you'd be thinking is, you know what, wouldn't it be great if we had children and then if we were here long enough in exile that our children would have children? You wouldn't be thinking that way at all. But the Lord is saying, hey, I want you to stay here. I want you to plant yourself here. Don't have this refugee mindset. He's saying, let your roots grow deep. Verse 7, I think, is one of the most important verses in this whole section. It says this, in addition to that, it says, also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city. Think about the city we live in. Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. What God is saying to them is, hey, be the kind of people that you seek the peace, that you're, you're, you're saying, I want this city to flourish. I want this city to flourish. There's two words that come to my mind when I think about this verse. It's this. It's um, resident aliens. I mean, think about it. In so many regards, God's was say, God was saying to them, I want you to be a resident. I don't want you just to be a refugee passing through. I want you to be a, a resident where you, your roots go down deep and you look around and, and you get to know your neighbors and the people say of you, man, they're the best people on the block. But at the same time, I want you to be aliens, meaning this, though you're a part now of Babylonian culture, we don't want the Babylonian culture to have you. You're an alien and you're a stranger in that way, but you're a resident. I'm putting you there for a very reason. Remember what he says over and over. He says, who carried you into exile? The Lord is saying, I carried you into exile. I am with you. He carried them. And he's saying, hey, as you bless other people, he's saying, then you will be blessed. Notice what it says there at the end. It says, and pray for the city. Be the kind of people that you, you bring the needs of the city before you. It's the difference for you and I from being a consumer to being the kind of person that's a contributor. It's the, it's the difference between living in a neighborhood and saying, what can I get out of this neighborhood? To saying, hey, what can I offer to this neighborhood. Um, I love these, my five for the city, these prayer um, mere deals that we gave out at the beginning of our initiative back in November. If you remember these, we just said, hey, would you put the names of five people that are in your sphere of influence? The Lord says, do, do what for the city? He says, pray for the city. This is us saying, God, you've given me a circle of influence, and Lord, I'm praying, I'm bringing the people that you've put in my life, I'm bringing them to you. God's saying, when you do that, when you see the city prosper, not only will the city prosper, but you'll prosper. It's this idea, and in church, you model this so well. When you give of yourselves, when you bless other people, we see this time and time again, it's in that place when we live for others, when we live for the city, that we see God blesses us right in the midst of it. It's incredible. And then we get to verses 10 through 14. Special verses. Scholars say that these are some of the most 
hope-filled verses in all of the prophets. If you've been reading through 65, you, you'll recognize these verses and you'll go, oh yeah, when I got to that section, oh, there was something really uh, just inspiring, it was hope-filled. And so the Lord says this to them, verse 10. It says, this is what the Lord says. When the 70 years are completed for Babylon, they're going to be exiled for 70 years. I will come to you, nation of Israel, and I will fulfill my good promise. This would have been such a breath of fresh air to them. And I will fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. He's saying, it's going to be great. There's a day coming. Verse 12, then you will call on me and you will come and you will pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and you will, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. What a hope this would have given them. I will gather you from all the nations and the places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. And then the last verse, it says, and will bring you back to the place from which, again, he gives them this reminder, Israel, I carried you into exile. Israel, I'm with you. I know that you, you feel like a refugee. I know that nothing inside of you wanted to live where you're living. I know that nothing inside of you wanted to leave your homeland. But he's saying, I carried you, but I carried you for a very specific purpose. And then I love verse 13. He gives them this reminder. He says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. He's saying this, the source of you living for the city, the source of you praying for the city, the source of you wanting the city to prosper, it only comes from this heart that says, God, I am fully engaged with you. When you seek me with all of your heart, then you'll have the right motivation to live for the city. Then the neighbor across the street, you'll see that person differently. God is reminding Israel, there is a day coming. I know you might not like where you are. You might feel like, wow, I'm, I'm a refugee here. But God also says to them, it's beautiful in these verses, he says, there's going to be a day coming though. When these 70 years are over, it's going to be different. About four years ago, I began to notice this woman that was walking in our neighborhood quite often. And she's the fastest walker that I've ever seen. Have you ever met anybody that they're a speed walker and when you see them walk, you're like, I can't run that fast? That, that was this lady. But what was puzzling to me as I watched her and I saw her in our neighborhood quite often, I couldn't figure out her family situation because she oftentimes had a different kid with her that she was pushing, you know, in like a jogging stroller. And I, I just couldn't figure out what her family situation was. And well, one, one Sunday afternoon, I was out in the front yard and, and um, she happened to be walking by and she said to me, she said, I never talked to her before, she said, I love church today. And I didn't know if she loved her church or this church. I didn't know what, you know, I hadn't met her before. And, and she said, we found Brookside a few years ago. And, and that day then we had a conversation and I met Kathy. And, um, and our families became friends and... Um, the story behind the reason why I couldn't figure out her family situation, it's truly inspiring. It's one of these examples that you go, wow, this person took their gifts that God gave them and, and they did something so significant with them. They said, God, I, I want you to deploy my gifts in such a way that it brings you so much honor. And so this morning, I just wanted you to be able to meet Kathy and to be able to, to hear her story. And so, yeah, we've got a video of that. So here it is. 
I was teaching a boys town at the time and that particular year they had a group of about 19 kids and they were really kind of tough I remember looking out and I can still see the faces I looked right at and I thought to myself I wonder if I can make a difference from the ground up I came home and kind of started talking to my family about it and you know said not only do can we open our home but we need to open our hearts and we kind of went on the journey to find out what it took to become a foster parent and that was 11 years ago and 85 kids later I think being powerful influence on my daughters, I think that's a huge reward. Our journey of foster care was very powerful for them, and I really think that it has touched them forever. When you touch one life, it's just a domino effect. I mean, that life touches that life, that touches that life. You know, there's always gonna be challenges. One of the hardest for me was I had three foster kids under the age of five. And I remember thinking to myself, this is so hard. God, why do I have three really tough ones right now? Sometimes when you ask God a question, he answers. And it was a Friday night about three o'clock in the morning and I got a phone call from Health and Human Services and they took four little kids out of a home. Will you take them? And of course I said yes. And they were so scared and they didn't know who I was. And so we camped out on the living room floor for the night. I've got seven kids under the age of five and I was all by myself. And I remember laying on the floor in the afternoon, extremely exhausted and looking up to the sky. And my first question was, why? Why? And my next statement was help. And in about two days, they ended up finding extended family. So four of the kids that had come that night then we're gone. And I remember closing the front door and looking at the three that I had and thinking, you guys are not really that tough. So God speaks. If only for one moment, the son of God to hold, what would be your thoughts and how forever told? For in each and every child that you will ever hold, the presence of his divinity is resting in your soul. And there were some tough times and I didn't know if I I would be able to continue and I didn't know if I was going to be able to make a difference in these kids lives and I would read that saying and I thought okay all right I can do this 11 years 85 kids yeah. Yeah. I mean think about that for a second I know I know Kathy those kids they hear the gospel those kids, they've been loved on in a significant way. And you know what's really exciting, though, for me to think about this morning? Kathy's a person that said, God, you've given me gifts, and I, I'm not just going to hold them to myself, Lord. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to deploy my gifts. And what's really exciting this morning, this is what God continues to bring to my mind as we think about what does it mean to live for the city is this, God has gifted every single person in this room. There's nobody that got left out. In a sense, you all have your own Kathy gifts. You all have the things that God has entrusted to you. Think of the impact that you could have. This is a way that I've been thinking of it recently. It's this, I've been challenging myself. What would it look like, Jeff, if you just gave just a, a few more percent of effort toward um, really investing in the lives of people? What would it be like, Jeff, if you just gave 2%? And think about that, 2% over a period of time, it just grows and grows and grows. But what would be the long-term impact? I guarantee you this, when Kathy signed up to, to, foster child that, that, to foster care that first child, I highly doubt she had the number 85 in 11 years in her mind. She probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> but think about this. Think about this. What would it be like 
If you just said, you know, just 2%, Lord, I just want to get just a little bit. It's a difference between saying hi to a neighbor and walking across the street and saying, how are you? It's a difference between walking by the person at the store or at the gym that you see all the time and just saying, instead of just walking by them saying hi, saying, hey, I see you all the time. What's your name? And then remembering it. It's a difference between being a busy person and being a person that's very purposeful for your time, with your time. 2%, what would it look like if I just said, God, would you just grow me? Would you help each day for me just to say, Lord, I want to care a little bit more about the needs of the people around me. God said to the people of Israel, let your roots grow deep. Don't think, hey, you're just passing through. God said, no, you build homes. No, you plant gardens. No, you wait. You think long term. Think about what's the impact that you could have, not just this year. Isn't it true sometimes we overestimate what can be done in the short run, but we majorly underestimate what can be done in the long run? What could God do if just 2% of effort, we just changed it up and we said, God, would you use me to do that? Significant. Do not not get in the game, church. Continue to be this group of people that that we are known for being a people that we love the city. That we're the kind of people that we say, wow, God, you've, you've placed people in our lives. And so we want to live for the needs of the city. You know, when we launched into this initiative, we were praying some big prayers. And we were asking God, God, would you do such a significant thing? This is back in November. And so we said even to all of you, we said, church, would you give sacrificially above and beyond your tithes and offerings? Would you give sacrificially to the efforts of this initiative as we try to launch another campus, as we try to to construct the care center? And you responded. Over $2 million was pledged over this three-year initiative. And and Steve and I just want to say to you this morning, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. There are 337 Uh, households to date that are contributing to our For the City initiative. Above and beyond everything else, they're saying, hey, on the sacrificial front, not just our tithe, but above that, we're saying, hey, on the sacrificial side, we want to be a part of that. Now, our goal is this. In the next couple months, what would it be like if we could get that number to 350? That's 13 more families. You know, six months ago, you might have heard us talk about these efforts of this initiative, and you might have said, you know what? We're in a place right now where we're, we're tithing, we're giving to the, the, the work of the Lord, but we, we're not able to do any more than that. That might have changed for you by now. I want to encourage you this morning. Would you be one of those families that would say, yeah, we're, we're in, or maybe you're brand new to Brookside, and, and Karen's going to come up here in just a little bit and just talk to you about even some of the details of this initiative so that you can find out how to, to be involved. But what would it look like if we just said, God, we know that these projects are huge. There's big price tags on them. Here's what we do know. It will take every single one of us. And so would you prayerfully consider how you could be, um, become even a, a part of that? I want to close this morning by bringing up um, uh, three people. Um, so if you guys want to come forward, that would come on up. That would be great. When we look at our care center, um, we know that there are some very significant leadership roles in it. And um, the thing that I love about the Care Center is this. And, and as these guys are coming up, I just want to mention this because many of you read these verses in Jeremiah 22 this last week. Um, th- you read verses like this. It says, defend the cause of the poor. Defend the cause of the needy. What I love about the Care Center is this. We're going to be able to do that. We're going to be able to join the heart of God and what he's doing as, as God looks at the causes of the poor and the needy in our midst. 
And so as we think about this care center that we're going to be opening, it's just going to be built just on the other side of this, uh, of the hallway here. We're going to start construction in the fall, which is really exciting. There are over 2,000 foster kids in, in the system in our city alone. And so we're going to be able to provide for them a, a, a place where they can come and with dignity receive clothes, good clothes, clothes that they can go to school. And if it's winter, they'll have a coat. I mean, it's just going gonna, gonna to be a great, we're going to meet needs of them. But then we're praying that God, would you allow that to be such an experience that those families then will sit in a room like this and they'll hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our care center is 100% volunteer run. And uh, that means that we're having what we're calling some volunteer staff. And that's why I've asked these uh, three to come up. Um, God has really put together a great team under John Alford's leadership. This is what I would call a dream team, these three. And so I wanted to introduce them to you this morning, tell you a little bit about their role, very important roles in the care center, in the leadership of it. And then I want us to close by praying for them this morning. So this is Ryan Delgard. He's the director of our care center, which means that Ryan's in charge of really leading the charge and the vision behind it. He'll be working with other uh, corporate sponsors and, and people that are uh, donations and corporate donations and things like that, our partners. And, but really overseeing the, the financial viability, everything over giving oversight and leadership horsepower to the care center. Then we have Brandy Geezer, and I'm um, so excited. Brandy, right in her gift mix, she's going to be the director of the retail side of the care center. And so when you walk into the care center, there'll be this whole retail area, and she'll really run and oversee and train and recruit the volunteers that will run the day-to-day -day operations of the care center. And then Steve Parliament. Um, love the way that God has brought these gifted people together. Steve Parliament, as you can imagine, in this kind of a care center, there's a big back room that's got a lot of inventory. And so Steve is really going to train and recruit volunteers and be in charge of all that inventory and, um, and really just direct the operations of the care center. Um, we just want to say thank you as a church to you guys. Um, this is huge. This is going to make such a difference in the lives of people, and we're praying that as people go and these kids get treated with dignity and they walk into school, and instead of having one more thing against them, these kids have clothes that are not a knock against them, and they can be treated with dignity in that way. And so thank you guys for your leadership. And, um, and what's really cool about these guys is that they have all committed to, all three of them, have committed to working over 80 hours a week for the rest of their lives for free. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. So we're, yeah. yeah. That part's really worth clapping about. Yeah. So, hey, um, let's pray together and let's pray for these three. In a sense, we're commissioning them this morning. They've got an important job to do. But then let's pray for us as a church and let's just say, God, would you lead us? God, would you help us to be a church that we live for the city, that our roots grow deep, that we look around and we say, God, would you just help us to increase? 2%, 2% today, 2% tomorrow, and continue to grow in our effectiveness at reaching people. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these three. Lord, thank you for Steve and for Brandy and for Ryan. And Father, I thank you and I just think, Lord, about how you've gifted them and then how you've brought this care center together and just how your timing is perfect. You've brought these, these three to us. And so, Father, we pray that you would use them. We pray that you would surround them with great teams. 
Lord, that the volunteers that would work underneath their leadership, I pray that you would bring the right people at the right time. And Lord, might this care center be the beginning of more and more great things that this church can do for you, Lord. We love you. We commit this care center to you. And Lord, we pray for this morning for all of us. Lord, maybe you're tapping on the shoulder of a person, of a family that would say, hey, we can, we can get this church to 350 people involved and for the city. Would you, Lord, would you tap those 13 families on the shoulder this morning? Father, for the rest of us, God, would you give us the minds to say, Lord, how can we make an impact in the city? How can we live for the city in such a way that the gospel of Jesus Christ becomes known? Lord, we love you and we thank you for this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God.